Welcome to a special 2 p.m. edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live right here on Giants.com. Presented by our new sponsor, Coors Light. John Schmelk, Paul Dettino with you. We welcome Coors Light on board. They'll be with us through the entire season. Good to have a sponsor. And we'll be talking Giants football. This is our first show since the Giants preseason victory against the Detroit Lions last Friday night in Detroit. Um, I was at practice all week. Paul came out there for the game, obviously. We could talk about that. Um, Paul, but first, real quick, practice today. Um, it looks like today's going to be, this week's going to be filled with carded practices, which basically for the fans out there that don't know, is when the offense and defense go against each other, only one side is running giant plays. The other side is going to be running stuff that the Jets will be running on Friday, right. and they call it a carded practice because a member of the coaching staff holds up a card, and that card will show that side of the ball what play to run. So that's what that is. Yeah, it was interesting. We just did our Twitter report earlier. Mm -hmm. When John asked me about the carded practice, I was going philosophically. You were actually talking about the logistics of holding mm -hmm. up the card. Absolutely. Which which was cool. And, and I'm glad we got that explanation out in both ways to the fans. Uh, as a result... Uh, to be perfectly frank with you, this was a rather routine practice. Not a lot of exciting, spectacular, and a little sloppy. You know, I mean, plays. I'll be honest. There, there were there were a lot of drops out there today, Paul. You know, on both sides of the ball, offense and defense. There were at, at least two interceptions that were dropped. Mm -hmm. uh, Ogletree had one on a terrible Eli Manning pass. Yeah, <laughs> uh, there was another drop. Uh, Apple, I think, had a chance at it. One and right he in his right chest. In his hands. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, that wasn't too cool. Travis Rudolph had two drops, I believe, right? Right in front of me. Mm -hmm. and I, like right I was, in his hands. I, I still don't know how he dropped both of those passes. So, yeah, what, what was it, what, it wasn't the sharpest so, day, but no, that's okay. No, it, it happens. They're not all going to be great. And you you have some ebbs and flows over the over over the you know pace of training camp and you know based off of last week you know we, we talked about this a lot when the Giants were in Cincinnati three years ago we left Cincinnati saying uh oh this this could be trouble but not we, the same this time it was not I thought the Giants outplayed the Lions on both sides of the ball um to be quite honest with you um look. That could mean a lot of different things. The Lions maybe didn't have a good week of practice. Frankly, they seemed a little bit out of it. They didn't seem super chatty, enthusiastic, sharp, like outgoing and everything like that, which is odd. Maybe maybe Matt Patricia has been kind of wearing them down a lot the first few weeks. I don't know, but whatever the case is, I feel good about the starting units on both sides of the ball right now. And I, I feel pretty good that those units are not going to be overmatched unless maybe the Lions will just be a really bad team. I don't know that to be the case. I wouldn't expect that. They've been around yeah. eight or nine wins over the last couple of years. But I, I'm pretty happy with what I saw from the first and second teams during practice last uh, week. I agree with your sentiments. I will also give you a bit of an explanation. One of the Lions staff members told me that because they had gone out to California and had done a full week of dual practices with the Raiders the previous week, mm. they had been somewhat gassed. And, and so, Paul, they look gassed. Doing two weeks of dual practices, first on the road in California, <laughs> then coming back home and meeting the Giants, uh, it had been explained to me that some of the Lions folks thought that, that was a sense. bit much. No, it makes sense. Makes sense. Um, that is a bit much. I've never heard of teams doing that twice. Apparently, Belichick has done it on occasion. Somebody told me. Well, boy, and that's think, where Patricia got where it you from. Think Matt Patricia got it from exactly. Uh, so I don't know. I don't know what the future holds for dual practices with Coach Pat Shermer. Although uh, I would he expect to get a lot out of these, Paul. I think they'll be back. Yeah, I would expect based on his response, he'd want to do it again. But remember. You can only do it if you've got a friendly head coach on the other side who you trust and you know, well, and you can plan things accordingly. Do you, you know, one solution could be you ask the Lions to come here next that year. That would be my guess, and I think usually they like to do home-and-homes with this sort of thing. I would imagine that would have been the plan with the Bengals three years ago, but of course Tom moved on after that year. He was let go, so it was a new coaching staff, and things changed then. Ben McAdoo didn't want to do the joint practices. How so. about the Vikings come here next year? Would that shock you? Because Shermer knows Mike Zimmer, yeah, that wouldn't shock me. But remember, Shermer trusts Patricia. You know. He made a big he he repeated himself about that many times. Yes, he did over the course of the week. So, um, so that's my overall take from practice. I'm asked, happy to answer more specific questions you might have at two zero one nine three nine four five one three. But again, I thought I, I thought the first teams on both sides of the ball performed pretty admirably. Um, in terms of the game on Friday, Paul, a few takeaways for me besides the obvious. You know, the game's three days old. I don't want to do a a full tilt no. review of it. Um, going back and looking at the tape, 
Obviously, to me, the big story is how well Davis Webb played. 14 to 20, 140 yards. Uh, two excellent passes down the field that, to me, were the most impressive. One to Sterling Shepard on the flag route. The other to Russell Shepard on yes. the deep pass. Yes. down like uh, Kind of down the numbers on the right sweet side. Sweet throw, sweet grab. And, what, and, and as accurate and good as those throws were, and his feet were really good on both plays, which is why the throws are so accurate, on that Shepard though, especially, it was a single high safety look being showed by the Lions right at right off the snap. He looks mm-hmm. left to Sterling Shepard, gives a little shoulder pump, moves the safety, which freed up Shepard on the other side. So that was the kind of very little subtle veteran quarterback type of thing that impressed me as a little smaller part of, of what Webb did overall in that game. In my conversation with Davis, I did not ask him about the touchdown pass to Goldman. Have you had a chance to talk to him about it? I did not, but Goldman was, I mean, he okay. he, he juked that line, linebacker out of his mind. He was wide open. I don't think he was the primary receiver. I think he was the secondary receiver on the play. He could have I've been. watched it. Okay. I've watched it, and I think, I think – he was looking more toward the end zone, and then when he saw that Goldman had absolutely destroyed the linebacker coming across he the middle, he checked down well, and, and had the touchdown. That's which, the right play. Which, yes, that's how I saw it. And I know this. Coach Shermer made very specific, very specific comments to us in our broadcasters meeting, and I'm not telling you any secrets, folks. He is very, very, very much emphasizing having checked down running backs in his formation. And the other thing he's emphasized, That's a big too, deal. he wants completed passes. Uh, he is a completion percentage head coach. Which he, is partly of what that does. That's why I just jumped on top of that with yeah. you. Because, uh, you know, he does not want the quarterbacks to throw incomplete passes. He does not want second and ten. All right? He does not want second and ten. If you throw a two, you know, two-yard completion, at least it's second and eight. So mm-hmm. I think you're going to see these giant quarterbacks, uh, at least from if they follow the directions of the coach, um, do a lot of that stuff if things down the field aren't open. He wants completions. He does not want incomplete passes thrown. So, and by the way, in the Shepard play, he came back to Shepard. He started that play looking right and then came back left and threw deep to Shepard. So those are the couple things that I like from Webb. Um, I thought Andrew Adams, again, around the line of scrimmage, did a really nice job. Um, in run support, he made a couple plays, tackles for loss, he's or at least natural, at the line of scrimmage. A natural strong safety. And job. I said this to you yesterday. To me, he's the perfect Landon Collins backup, if you know what I mean. I yeah. think both the guys are good at similar things. He's a natural strong safety, yeah. and we know that. And unfortunately, because the Giants came into camp with an unsorted spot at free safety, he was thrown into that mix to yeah. try to compete for it. Well, remember, he played center field in baseball, too. So he was like, oh, this is natural for me. I'm in yeah, center field. But, but it's but... not what he does well on the football field. He's a better strong safety, better I agree with come you. up, run support. Mm-hmm. That's what he. That's what he's, he's good at. Um, so, hey, you know what, though? Curtis Riley was invisible in the game in that he didn't do anything wrong. And that's half the battle for a free safety. So give him a leg up on the job, right? I think he has to be. He was with the first team to get in practice, and I think mm-hmm. B.W. Webb has the leg up right now in the slot corner spot. I thought he played well again. Then he was playing outside, too, later in the game. So um, I think B.W. Webb's on this team. What his exact role is going to be, we'll see. But I think he's done enough uh, to prove that to the coaches. I think he's done a very nice job. Uh, Kerry Wynn, I think, has earned the, his way onto this team, Paul. A couple good, sp- <laughs> a couple special teams tackles. Um, he's rushing from that three technique and sub-package, getting to the quarterback a little bit. I think Kerry Wynn's had a very strong preseason. Gary Wynn is one of those guys who he, he's quiet, he's humble, he works hard, he will do everything the coach asks him to do. Coaches love those kinds of guys. And what you hope is that during the course of the regular season, you'll get some productivity mm-hmm. that warrants him being around. Uh, with Kerry Wynn, the problem is you don't always see that productivity during the course of the regular season. You want to see some more stats. You want to see some more splash plays. But what the coaches like is consistency, knowledge, mm-hmm. respect, uh, all the things that, that give them reason not to worry about the guy. One other thing that impressed me in the second quarter when the Lions stole their first-team offensive line in, Lorenzo Carter had two very nice bull rush he pass did. rushes. It wasn't even speed rushes. He got right into Taylor Decker's chest with his like he outstretched sure arm, and he backed him up right into the quarterback. I thought those were two very impressive pass rush moves out of him. Yeah, that was very nice. And, of course, uh, Vernon— and you, don't, and you don't think of him as a power rusher either, which is why it was so surprising. Well, he's got length. Exactly. Length leads to leverage in those situations. Correct. You're absolutely right. He gets the punch first, and now he can do something yeah, to the guy. Yeah, he gets his hands on the tackle before the tackle gets his hands on him. It's a beautiful thing. 
Uh, OV had a sack early, too, where the pressure just swarmed Stafford. By the way, he I'll, – I'll try to be nice. He had his way with Taylor Decker all week. He could not block him. That's a good thing. It's not bad. <laughs> That's certainly true. Win, Oquara, and uh, and OV had the sacks the other day. Yes. AG, um, AG, uh, AJ Francis, Francis did not have any tackles for loss in the game, but he was in the backfield on two or three run plays, and he got some penetration. So even though the numbers aren't there for him, I yeah. thought he played pretty well. I agree with you, John, and he's a, he's a puzzle to me because there are two more preseason games to go. I have him as a bubble guy. I have him on. I think you know, he, I think he's going to make the roster. I think you've got a good chance at it, but I'm still going to hold my breath. I'm going to throw this out to you. We we talked a little bit about the Giants maybe addressing some of their positions of scarcity at this point. You know, de- defensive back depth maybe, um, wide receiver depth maybe, offensive line depth tackle. Mm-hmm. We've spoken about that, and we've spoken about maybe having to do it by a trade when teams like they did with Ross Cockrell last year when they make a move and and trade for a player at the sure. trade uh, right right before cuts are made. Here's the problem, and I was talking about this with somebody yesterday, and like, you know, I didn't even think about that, and I'm not sure if you have, but remember, they already lost their third-round pick for the last next year, and they already lost their seventh-round pick for last for next year. So they might have to do a player-for-player trade, which is much less common at this time of year. Usually it's, you know, it's a, it's a um, conditional pick or something like that. So I could see the Giants taking from a position of strength, which I think right now is their defensive line, uh, for a team that plays a 3-4, I count, not even counting the edge rushers now, I count, you know, seven maybe, mm-hmm. you know, traditional defensive linemen that I think are good enough to make this team. Right. Maybe they can move one of those guys and try to get something at one of their positions in need. Uh, the compensatory selection is going to be interesting. I think I saw an estimate that the Giants are going to get maybe a third or a fourth rounder in next year's draft. No, no, no. We, based on free agency. Remember, we talked about that. We don't think that's going to happen, though. No, uh, uh, I, I believe over the cap has them getting – they think it's going to be a four. We, we could pop it up on your machine. They It looks like they may get one. They may Not get that one. high, though, a third or a fourth I, round. I, Only three or four teams get third-round picks. What did I say? Right? I thought I looked this up after we had that conversation. In any event, I do think they're going to get one back, according to the, over the cap. Take a glance. I'm looking at it right now. Mm-hmm. And and that may alter their ability to make a, a move or not. But they can't trade that supplemental pick now because it's not going to be awarded until next February. Right. So, right. But what I'm saying is if whatever round it is that they are, they are relatively sure it's going to be in, they could trade their regular pick in that round if they so choose. Yeah, this is Lance Thinking line, they're going to get another one. Projecting 2019 Yeah, what's he got for picks? Him? He's got the Vikings getting four picks, the Patriots getting four picks, the Redskins getting four picks. Picks. The Bengals, Rams, Eagles getting three. The Falcons, Panthers getting two. Uh, he does not have the Giants on his list. Nowhere. Nowhere. Go to over the cap. I, be- I believe over the cap had them w- w- getting somebody. Uh, there we go. I got 2019. Here we go for the New York football Giants. And again, the NFL keeps this formula on their locking key. So people Why? are just. Pro- I don't know. But so people are just projecting here. Uh, no, they don't have the Giants getting anything. They don't. Then, then I am mistaken. That's okay. Okay. We want to make sure we have the information right. It's uh, all good. No, no question. Well, that's why I asked you to look yeah. it up. Um, here's the thing. They'll give you the crap formula that converts into quarterback rating, and they won't give you the compensatory draft pick rate uh, formula. I'm, think I about that. Come on, NFL. Get with it. Because if you think about it, there are two big losses in free agency were Richburg and Pugh, right? Yes. But... They brought in Solder, which cancels out at least one of those guys. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, you added Omame. Uh, you added... Um, well, Cockrell actually got a decent buck from Carolina. I'm sure he'll be in the equation somehow. I'm not sure. I'm curious to see if that... Well, I can actually look at it right here. I don't want to get too much on a tangent here, but now I'm curious because well, Paul brought we, it up. We don't know what the stupid formula right. is, so it's well, even like kind of almost dumb to the talk way, about. The way these guys do it, they basically have um, Kareem. They have they have Solder, Martin, Omame, Latimer, and Michael Thomas, canceling out Fluker, Richburg, Pugh, Kennard, and Cockrell. So okay. they have it five for five, and that's how they have those five so, canceling each okay. other out. Okay, just FYI. All right, for whatever that's worth. Anyway, so I yes. stand corrected. Maybe they will not get a compensatory, and so on. Now that means there's nothing to deal from. Yeah, but they, but they could maybe deal with defensive linemen if they wanted to. They yeah, could deal from they a could. position of strength. Maybe they could. 
Injuries all over this league, Paul. You know how it goes. Yeah, for sure. By the way, we want, we want to remind fans that Big Blue Kickoff Live is presented by Coors Light. Download the Coors Light Rewards app to an amazing Giants prizes throughout the season. 201-939-4513. Let's go to the phones. Of course, for me to go to the phones, I probably have to open up the Google Doc that has there the you go. on it. That would be useful. That's a good idea. See, I'm too busy arguing with Paul over compensatory picks. I don't have the caller sheet. Up, By the way, the uh, the Giants-Jets yes. game on Friday at MetLife Stadium, for those of you who may not realize it yet, it is a Jets home game. CBS, if you're watching on TV. And, yes, locally in New York, it's WCBS Channel 2. Uh, so uh, we will have uh, Bob Papa and Bob Carl Banks doing the radio call. Our regular season crew will be on the game. As opposed to being yes. on the TV call. You'll have to deal with the Jets announcers on, on the telecast. But get Ian Eagle, who's tremendous. There's nothing wrong with that. Ian's great, and you know they have Anthony Becht. Is their yes, new color guy? So I know it's a little I bit of a different flavor. Last week, and yeah, Otis Livingston on the sidelines from CBS. Let's go to Joe in Pennsylvania. He'll lead us off. Hey, Joe. Hey, yeah, great to talk to you guys. Uh, uh, it was a pleasure to watch that game. I think all last year, every time you know we tried to hand the ball off, there are our running backs were met three <laughs> yards in, in the backfield. At least they had a chance to you know break it out to the outside. And same with the receivers. When did they have a chance to throw the ball 20, 30 yards down the field that the receivers could put some moves on? It was a pleasure. I, I can't remember the last time. Well, then, Joe, the funny thing is that the first two runs they had, though, Jared Davis was in the backfield for two pretty big losses. Now, people keep saying, oh, Jonathan Stewart's not looking good. He didn't have a chance on those two runs. Jared Davis was in the backfield as soon as he got uh, the ball. So once they got past those first two plays, I thought they did okay in the running game. Not great, but they did okay. Well, well, it was just starting off. It was, yeah, of course. It, well, I'm, I'm just saying, ninety percent of it was good. I agree. You know what I'm I mean? With you. I'll take that every game. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? But that—he's one guy I want to talk about. Sure. Do you think there's any way he don't make this uh, roster? I've got or a, is it just? You know, I've gotten a lot of tweets about that, Joe. I would be very, very surprised if he wasn't on the final fifty. Well, I'm just saying, the young kids, the, my favorite, Martin, and the other guy that got the concussion, are showing lots as receivers in, you know what I mean? Yeah, but, Joe, you I know what? Dave Gettleman made a big deal about the importance of Jonathan Stewart as a veteran presence for the running back room and having a veteran in there. If you let him go, Wayne Goldman's your most experienced running back I, in there. I'm, I'm not sure you want that. that but uh, if that's what you, you want, but you know what I mean? Uh, you know what I'm, uh, I'm just saying you think he could have broken out outside for them touchdowns like Martin did? I think the other guy did it too, you know? You think Stewart could uh, could do that? I Joe, mean, he, I, I think Stewart's a different type of runner. I yeah. know he's he's up you know up he, through the hole now. He's more of a bull runner. Stewart's rusher, a downhill I think, grinder. I, I thought Dark was. Uh, I, I'd love to have him back, but I understand what whatever. I uh, okay. I'm going to move on, on okay. from that now. I'm going to I'm going to say we we have. Are you with the waiver wire? Yes, we have. I'm not sure how that goes. Second pick. There's going to be about 1,200 people let, uh, left go, players. Mm -hmm. are, are, are Every oh, one of them that go that, that has to clear waivers, do we have no. the second choice on them? No, no. Joe, you, you, the, 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 the cutoff point between street free agent and waivers is four vested years in the league. Okay. No, but when, if when you they, are, if now, you are, now if, each team's going to cut about forty players, Paul. Right. Correct? Yeah, but not every one of those forty players go to waivers. Correct. That's what I'm trying to tell you. Okay, but every team that goes to every every player that goes to waivers, regardless, Giants get the have, second do pick. We, do we have the second pick on them first? Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, well, how how many how many players you think it would be at least? Well, uh, there's no way to tell, Joe. Joe, there's no way to tell because uh, to be subjected to the waiver system, you have to have less than four full vested years in the National Football League. Then you get subjected to waivers. If you're a veteran who's in his fifth season or above, you get cut. You're a street-free agent. You can sign with anybody. And I have no well, way of knowing how many young players are going to get cut or how many old guys are going to get cut. Well, uh, okay, but I'm just saying, Paul, you would think – I'm just saying on the whole, I'm saying there's – uh, I'm just. I know there's 32 teams. I'm just saying 30 teams, and each of them's leaving, cutting 40. That's 1,200. I'm just right. saying, if, even if there's half, we get six, seven hundred. That's a lot of players to to look at seriously and truly. That you yeah. would think. 
Well, remember though, the Browns now, have the first pick on the waiver si- on the, uh, under the I waiver understand. system, and now, they could use some help for the too. Practice squad too, the same way, Paul. What, what what happens is if a player clears through waivers, okay, then he's free to sign with whoever he wants on the Correct. practice squad. Correct. Mm-hmm. You have okay. the player's got to clear through waivers first for twenty four hours, then he becomes an automatic street free agent, just like the veterans do. Yeah, and Joe, there's a situations now where a team might go after a player on the practice squad, but the player might not think there's a realistic path for him with that organization to get to the active roster at some point, and he might decline that invitation and go with another team. So at that point with the practice squad, it's really up to the players on where they want to go. Right. I understand, but I'm just saying we with with the different coaches we have to come in from all over, all over like uh, what's his name from the Cardinals way out there, and that that we have pretty good uh, that they've been around on a, a a lot of these players and teams like is what I'm saying there. I, I think you know we we should should be able to get some decent players there. Now a couple things that worried me with that game there, uh, really and truly. Uh, Ogletree, the, the last couple games, you know, I, I don't know if they're going to have to take him out in second or third downs or so, especially, you know, running backs. And they were the big plays the last, the first two games, running backs and tight ends, beating him, no? Relax, relax Joe. You know why? Here, here, Here's your problem. If you take out Ogletree, who are you going to put in? That's correct. That's well, do you think he'll be in there for all three? He's going to have to be your three-down linebacker because he's yeah. the heartbeat of that defense. And, and if you take him out, who is going to be the guy I'm, in the middle? And B.J. Goodson will get off the football before he does. I'm just looking down. at it. The first two games, and I don't know how many I get it. plays he played. I get it. They, you know what I mean? It was, it, it, you know, it was big play. They were the big plays that we really Alec, gave Alec up. Ogletree, you know? Alec Ogletree is a quality NFL backer, but he's not a Pro Bowl backer. He's never been an All-Pro, never been to the Pro Bowl. He's not Luke Keekley. Okay, he doesn't have blanket coverage skills like Keekley does. He isn't a big change of direction guy. You want him running in a straight line. He's he's well, he's actually good sideline to sideline against the run. Well, no, running in a straight line. He's running on an angle. He's not Fair changing enough. direction. You know Fair what enough. I mean? Fair yeah. enough. Now he he has some semblance of coverage skills. Sure, but but okay, there are going to be times. He's going to get matched up in a bad way, and it's going to be a problem. That's well, just the that's just life in the NFL. Well, I'm, I understand that. What's his what's his like forty time? Do you have any idea, Paul? He's pretty fast. Let me see. I can look up his forty time when he came out of school. I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm sure he's a little saying, slower compared now. Compared to a lot of other linebackers, his speed's up there. You know, I know his main thing is stopping the run and rushing the the thing there. But uh, I was just wondering on that there what his speed is. You know, let's see. I got his uh, combine run right here. I will say this. He is the most athletic linebacker the Giants have had in the middle since Antonio Pierce. And he's he's a better athlete than he was. Pure athlete, yes. I mean, I'm not talking about talking about athletic Pure athlete, Mm -hmm. yes. Now, Beeson, before he got to the Giants and was already battered and beaten up, Mm -hmm. would have been that kind of guy too. But by the time he got to the Giants, he was already on borrowed time. Mm Mm-hmm. Which is unfortunate. Well, does, Munson, does Munson have better speed than him or no? No. 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 He does no. not. Oh. He does not. No. Okay. Only one other thing, if you want to look that up, that concerned me. And I, I seen our coach was very upset on that. That, that one hit on hers looked there that they were calling a lot of, you know what I mean, with the face mask right. or leading with the helmets, you know. Um, they're going to have to get that straightened out. But of course. Because they, 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 every play, it seems, these refs could really decide the games on, on these helmet-to-helmet uh, plays there. Thank you, Joe. So, Thank you. God bless. I'm glad to see the Giants. It was a pleasure to see them, I said, this year, uh, last weekend. Uh, you know, that the receivers, the running backs had some time, and the, the quarterbacks all looked good. What a difference it made for our uh, backup quarterback. Thank you Thank again. you, Joe. Bye-bye. Appreciate it. And again, we want to remind you that Big Blue Kickoff Live is presented by Coors Light. Download the Coors Light Rewards app to an amazing Giants prizes throughout the year. To clarify, the Herzlick hit where he was flagged for a uh, helmet infraction, lowering the, 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 the uh, top of his helmet, the the way I saw it, and it was right in front of me, the way I saw it, and then looking at the replay, I thought it was pretty clear. And I know Coach Shermer wanted the league to clarify for him. We we will never hear what that clarification is. That's not the way league policy works. But Herzlick was the one who had the bloody chin because he wound up taking the brunt of that hit.
Yeah, I, um, I, I didn't agree with that call either. Um, you know, I mean, I, frankly, to me, that's a no call. Both guys are coming at each other. I think the the running back didn't come towards Herzlick and lower his helmet. He kind of held his ground and lowered his helmet, so I'm not sure I would have called a penalty on him because I don't like the idea of these penalties by the line of scrimmage. Okay, I, I'm okay with them in the secondary Very guys with running difficult. starts, things like that. That's cool. Unless there's something egregious, and we saw a play, um, there was the pulling tight end against the Giants in week one against Cleveland. Yes. That was egregious. Because yes. the guy took a few steps forward and yes. you know did a, did a running charge headbutt deal. That one I get. But it was definitely not a penalty on Herzlick. If anything, it was a penalty on the running back that tried to pick him I up. agree with you. Again, that's my interpretation. The league, the league is going to have to sort this stuff out. And we're all going to watch him do it, too. Yeah. 201, I just hope it doesn't cost anybody a game. Yeah, absolutely. And... I know people making a big deal. I thought the running game was fine in the game, Paul. A couple big runs late. I thought there was too much penetration with the first-team offensive line out there, well, in my it, opinion. You take away those two first uh, collapses when Stewart got nailed in the backfield, and they had 100 yards rushing because mm -hmm. they finished with 96, and they yeah, lost they six yards three, on the first two plays. 3.9 yards per carry, I think. They well, I think it was like 3.7. Okay. But, but, again, take away those first two, they would have had 101 yards, um, which is, you know, you want higher than that. But as Shermer said to me at halftime – you know, got to get the running game going. Not real satisfied with it. But in the second half, again, these backups who are trying to win jobs, yeah. they seem to get it going. By the way, I should point out, uh, still no Saquon Barkley at practice today. He did work on the side and was kind of jumping around and doing a lot of stuff. May I ask you, do you think he would add to their rushing total? A little bit. Um, <laughs> still, I would be surprised if he played Friday against the Jets. The fact that he yeah. wasn't practicing today. Maybe yeah. you'll get him a couple snaps in the last preseason game, but why even bother, to be quite honest I'd with you. I'd say it's so, unlikely. I wouldn't worry about that. Um, no Darian Thompson, no Connor Barwin still. Mm -hmm. Dante Dion was back out of practice. Yes. He actually made a nice play um, staying with Roger Lewis on the sideline. Down route? the left sideline. Lewis? I forget what receiver it was. Might it might have been. been I, don't I don't remember. It was left sideline. Right. He the made play. a nice play on that, so he was back on the field, and one of the players back on the field. Who's the other injured guy that came back today? I'm trying to remember. On the field today? Yeah, wasn't there one of the guys that came back that was hurt? Or am I wrong about that? I thought there was one no, of the guys. No, because uh, we st they still had Munson on the sideline. They still had Simmons on the sideline. And they still had Barkley okay. on the sideline. And So I don't think anybody else. Stewart didn't really work today. Presley got a lot of his reps. Stewart did some. A little bit. He not a some. lot, though. Presley got me all shook up on the sideline. <laughs> Dre in Atlanta, <laughs> save me. What's up, Dre? <laughs> I'll, I'll do the best I can, but <laughs> hey, you gotta let Pete. I have that one. Uh, it, no, it, I don't. It is it it is what it is. <laughs> Indeed. Well, I was pretty happy with what I saw, even with a run game. It seemed like uh, that first couple running plays with um with Stewart. Seemed like as soon as uh, Hernandez pulled, uh, that linebacker was shooting the gap. As yep. soon as it's like they pretty much schemed for that. So. That's something um, Dallas does a lot with uh, with Lee, so we might want to uh, disguise that a little bit. But then again, I still see we are, you know, it's vanilla offense. We haven't really done anything to manipulate the defense. So, but uh, I see Flowers had a little snafu that could have been ugly. Um, he got beat on a speed rush. I don't think that's problematic, considering the fact that, you know, hey, I think once we start scheming. We'll throw a tight end over there. We know that he's having issues. Dre, but I understand. Part, if there are some fans out there that want to be a little concerned about the right side of the offensive line, I understand they're concerned. I'll put it that way. I mean, you know, right. honestly, here's, here's, here's what I want to tell you. I've had so many people, friends, family, ask me specifically about the O-line. And what I tell them is this. First of all, you have to grade them as a unit. It's very, very difficult with an offensive line, which is so reliant upon the entire picture to just single out one guy and say, well, he had a really bad play on that one bad play. No, it's the line as a whole that you have to consider, all right? So what you have to say yeah. to yourself is, okay, was the line adequate enough that they could function and call all the different chapters of their playbook and move the ball downfield, move the chains, get the offense into scoring position, change field position on the opposition, if they can do all of those things, then the truth of the matter is they are, quote, good enough, satisfactory, serviceable. Pick the adjective you want to use. Those are the requirements. Now, once you get to that, 
which Coughlin had with Jacksonville last year, and then they started getting better and better, and now he's like, I want dominant. So he goes out and pays the big money to get Norwell. Okay? But from the Giants' perspective, you just want to get to adequate, serviceable, good enough. They haven't been there for the last few years. It looks like they're going to be at that level. Anything beyond that's gravy. I agree. See, I relate. No, without, in reference to that, I'm not throwing darts at uh, Flowers. But I see. But I think that guard position, Omame, uh, they had a good pass off on that on that uh, stunt where uh, Flowers drove him out. But I think I don't. I wouldn't put everything on Flowers. But I look at Omame. Um, I think Omame needs to tighten up. Also, I think need better communication. Um, I think that's where some of the holes come in. But it's for the most part, I'm, I have actually no issues. You know, I'm just happy to see that they're opening holes. Because even after, uh, even after um, Stewart went out, they uh, it seemed like they got it together and started opening holes and started running different um, blocking schemes. So I like my receivers. I'm glad that we haven't really seen certain. You know, we've seen the basic routes, so we can actually discuss something um, against Jacksonville to be creative. I'm liking my defense. I'm I'm, I'm blocking. It's preseason, but one thing I want to take into account is that. Detroit kept their ones in the game. So we may not have our tools out there, but they were playing against Detroit's ones. So I was kind of happy with the success that our corners had against um, Marvin Jones and some of the other receivers. So, But outside of that, who do you, what defensive player do you see on our line that's expendable for a trade for a possible player at need? And I'll take that uh, question and answer off the air. Thank, Thank you, Dre. I mean, I want to call anybody expendable. I don't think that's the right word. Yeah, but, I'm with you, John. I mean, look, you're, you aren't moving Snacks. You aren't moving Tomlinson. You aren't moving B.J. Hill. Those guys aren't going anywhere, okay? So then you get into the, the Robert Thomases of the world. Uh, Josh Morrow is going to be tough to move given he suspended the first mm-hmm. four games. Um, Francis, if, if, if that's a guy that he, they want to move, those are the types of guys I think you're looking at. Do you count Aquara as a lineman? No, I have him as the edge group. Okay. He's in the edge rusher okay. category. But he's a guy that you could look to as well. Possibly. He's probably number. He's probably five or six on the edge rusher list, depending on how many of those guys you want to keep. You know, I mean, the problem is you can only keep so many, mm-hmm. and if there's a way that you can get something for somebody, yeah, you want to explore it. Hunter Sharp killed me in that game, by the way. I was pumping him up in that pregame show, and then he goes and he drops a punt and he fumbles a kickoff. Had another drop in practice today, too. I know. Not happy. Uh, I think Cody Latimer is, if not cemented, he's on his way towards cementing that third wide receiver spot. I would concur. 201-939-4513. Scott New Mexico is up next. Hi, Scott. Good afternoon, guys. How are you doing? What's up, buddy? Um, First, I read the Cover 3 article this morning about the potential of few players that you, John, uh, had written about, and also Lance and Dan. Yeah. And I wholeheartedly agree. with Curtis me, Chris Riley, Cody Latimer, B.W. Webb, and Ray Ray Armstrong. I think I'm curious to see how those players develop because I think they'll all make the team. And so far as the preseason game against Detroit, I think the players, uh, the Giants played an exceptional game overall where both the offense and defensive personnel stood out. And I was actually impressed more by the second and third string units on defense. And I think that really bodes well for the Giants as the regular season approaches. What did you like about the second and third string units, Scott? Uh, well, sort of uh, when they had Robert Martin uh, come in and they had uh, Kyle Oletteby Ale- Kyle no, right now okay. in the second string. And I got you. Also- Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, no. I I thought you meant the defense. You were referring to the offense. Oh, That's defense, my fault. Oh, defense, yes. Uh, uh, who was it? Uh, Ray Ray Armstrong played a very good game. Kerry uh, 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 Wynn played a very good game. You already mentioned that. Uh, uh Who's the other guy that uh, had a sack? Okwara. Uh, Okwara, right. Uh, so I, I thought those players really stepped up, and I, and that's what was impressive to me. Also, uh, Grant Haley uh, played a decent game. I don't think he played a great game, but he played a very decent game. Gave up a lot of catches. Right, but but they were small catches. I mean, you know, he didn't allow for any big um, – I mean, he was on top of the guy's uh, – pretty much the whole game, even though he allowed those catches, but he was right there, so I was impressed with him as well. So I just think they they showed, uh, you know, potential, let's put it that way. And so that was impressive to me. Awesome. And I also – go ahead, I'm sorry. No, I was just saying, okay. 
I, I also wanted to give kudos to Davis Webb in a good bounce back performance, and also especially Wayne Gallman, who continued to shine. He I think he's good. actually a legitimate starting back, although everyone recognizes that Saquon is a guy. But it's nice to know should anything happen, uh, uh, Wayne, based on at least his early uh, preseason games, can potentially perform at a very high level. So that was encouraging as well. I, I agree, Scott. I think Wayne Gallman looks much more comfortable this year. Everything seems to be coming more natural to him. He had a couple really nice blitz pickups pick in the game. Um, he dropped some passes last year. He didn't. He's been sure with his hands in this offseason right. and in the preseason so far. And he's just running with a lot more confidence. I, I agree. I would feel really good um, about using him if you know, knock on wood, something ever happened to Saquon Barkley that he could right. go in there and and do a serviceable job. Yeah, my, I did have some concerns. Well, the first caller sort of addressed it, but but I'll address them in a slightly different way. And I was concerned with the play of Alec Ogletree, and uh, I was concerned with the with his pr uh, play in the first preseason game when he was beaten by Ochoco, and then uh, beaten by Theo Riddick again in this Detroit game. And I'm not necessarily concerned that he was beaten by both players, but what I was concerned was his pursuit or recovery speed once he was beaten, and he looked to be honest with you, frankly, slow and ponderous, chasing both of these players down. So my question is, so won't other teams look at these tapes and recognize this as a potential weak spot in the Giant defense, or do, or do you have a different take on this, or will Betcher, do you think, make an adjustment uh, you know, in regards to the play of uh, uh, Ogletree when he's uh, a cover linebacker taking him back or a tight end uh, you know, from the opposing team? You know, it's going to happen on occasion, and they'll get burned on occasion. That's just the way it's going to be. But you can minimize those situations either with disguised pre-snap movement to where you get the quarterback thinking something else, and all of a sudden he opts out of that play because he's afraid you're going to do something else to him. Or, and this is, this is the other part that, that everybody's forgetting, or – he winds up sending the dogs. And even though it's a short dump-off pass to the running back against Ogletree, there was always the chance that the Giants' pressure can get into the passing lane, deflect the pass, or get to the quarterback. It can happen. I will say this, right. though. In a defense, Scott, that is designed to play a lot of man-to-man, -man, and when they blitz, they're going to be in a lot of man-to-man -man situations, that doesn't necessarily mean the other team has to go after your cornerbacks. All right, you might have a safety in man-to-man no -man against the tight end, a no linebacker in man-to-man -man against a linebacker or against a tight end or a running back. So that is something other teams could look to do once they get moving this season. I no, no doubt about it, but also I would also think that Ogletree is going to be one of the guys they send on blitzes a lot because he's shown that to be a pretty too. good blitzer during practice. So I think those are all sorts of things you can keep an eye on. Remember, Betcher wants a mismatch somehow along that front, and if he can get a guy coming free at the quarterback – uh, a quarterback who is not as accomplished as Drew Brees is going to get nervous. He's going to get happy feet. He's going to make the wrong read. He's going to rush his pass and miss the back. Right. Unfo I mean, unfortunately, the Giants play a lot of good quarterbacks. Yeah, they do. <laughs> <laughs> okay. uh, my second point has to do with uh, what seems to be a monumental rash of injuries that are plaguing this preseason. And I, it's a two-pronged question. I don't know if either of you know whether the NFL has ever done any kind of statistical analysis comparing the number of injuries in preseason games versus the actual regular season. Uh, of course, recognizing it's a four-game versus a 16-game yeah, season. Yeah, I have no idea. No idea, <laughs> Scott. And the, and the reason I mention this, and John, you sort of alluded to it in that article that I read, mm -hmm. with the health of Saquon Barkley, uh, hamstring injuries can linger for quite some time. So wouldn't it be prudent to have him skip the balance of the preseason in favor of letting him heal properly, even if it means missing the first game of the season? I mean, to quote Pat Shermer, if you look at the, I'm sorry, Scott, to, to to quote Pat Shermer, they're going to be very smart in how they bring Saquon Barkley back, and I think you can okay. read into that whatever you want to read yes. into it. Yes. Okay. Yeah, if you look at the stars that are out for the season or will miss the beginning of the season, it's a bit outrageous. I mean, uh, there's at least 20 to 30 players, uh, starters actually, that are pretty much going to miss uh, a lot of game time. So that's why I was asking the question. Thank you, Scott. Okay, appreciate, appreciate it. Thanks, guys. No, I don't think it's been an unnatural rash of injuries this preseason, has it been? I don't think it has either, but without the stats, it would be unfair to put an adjective on it. What stars have gone down, though? <sighs> None that come to mind for me right away. I've been paying attention, too. Let's see. I mean, they were afraid that Zach Martin might have popped his knee, right. but that looks like it's going to be okay. Relatively. Geis. All right, Geis did. That's true. Foles got hurt the other day. Yeah, but whatever. Um, Who else of, of huge headline-grabbing ilk? 
no one jumps out of me, to be honest with you, Paul. Uh, I mean, Sony Michelle had knee surgery, but that was before preseason even right. started. Yeah, it is, I don't think it's that long of a list. I don't, uh, I, unless I'm missing guys, yeah, I don't, I think don't even. I am, you though. know what? I don't even want to discuss it because I don't have. <laughs> I, I'd like to have it in front of me right. to really talk about it. I don't have it, so I don't really want to go there. We want to remind you that Big Blue Kickoff Live is presented by Coors Light. Download the Coors Light Rewards app to win amazing Giants prizes throughout the season. Bob in Chicago is up next. Hey, Bob, how are you? Hey, John. Hey, Paul. Hello. Uh, Isaiah, w- Isaiah Wynn was the other guy. That ah, that was a good one. That's true. Yeah. He, That's popped, true. He, popped, he popped his Achilles uh, or ACL? Achilles, right? It was Achilles, I'm I think. Pretty sure it was it. I'm pretty sure it was, Well, regardless, he's out for the season. Exactly. Fine. He is out. <laughs> he is out. Go ahead, yeah, Bob. The pa- Patriots were very disappointed in that because they liked him a lot. He was a good player. Yep. Yes. Um, what I got is for, for Davis Webb and Kyle Luletta, um John, you were there in Detroit, yeah. so maybe you can answer this a little better. Because they were able to practice with Detroit all week, do you think that could have helped Webb maybe shine a little better? Yeah, you know what? That's interesting, Bob. Because I, I talked to Pat Sherman with the radio interview uh, for the pregame show, and I asked him, the fact that these two teams are more familiar with each other from their week in practice, whether or not that's going to impact the game, and he said he didn't really think so, but... Mike Davis-Webb found it a little bit easier to read the lines and what they're doing on defense because he saw them during the week. Yeah, I don't think that's impossible, maybe. Um, but I don't know whether that's true or not. I think it's a good question to ask, but I don't think there's any way for us to know for sure. And who knows, maybe uh, Kyle Lilletta can play right tackle for us. I really <laughs> like that block that he did for Gallman. Well, quote-unquote quote, quote unquote block. He, he kind of really? just got in the way. No, I know, I know. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Uh, he tried, one final thought. Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead, Bob. I'm sorry. Uh, one final thought is because I'm in Chicago, um, you guys always talk about MSG, but I can't ever seem to find it on the website. So is there any way of me getting any access to that? Yeah, they the usually – do they put the full show up on the internet, do we know, or do they just put the segments up? They just put the segments up, right? Yeah, it's just segments. Yeah, I don't think they put the full show up online. I've never seen the maybe full show. Maybe MSGNetworks.com maybe might have something on there, perhaps. They, okay. they take maybe. short clips. I didn't know, I didn't know if there was not We don't put the whole or... show up on Giants.com ever? Okay. Yeah, you just got – deal with the segments. I'm sorry. Yes. Well, okay. here's, here's the problem. We – we actually got a call from the people over at the World Wide Web. They said only so much of Detino can be put on the internet at one time. <laughs> so they have to limit the number of segments they put up. Otherwise, the whole system will just go down and crash. Oh, my. Oh, that's good. I'm sorry, yeah, though. All, yeah, I, I, I understand. Yeah, I understand your point. We'll pass it along and, and just mention it to somebody. Thank you, Bob. Yeah, thanks. Appreciate the call, man. Yeah, I think that's an interesting question because I was wondering – how much that does change in a game situation that you've seen these guys during the week. And look, neither team is going to run anything in the game they didn't run in practice. So everything yeah. the guys see on game, they would they would have seen during the week. I, th- I think it's a really good question out of Bob, and I don't know. But I think this will be a better week because both teams are going to be game planning a little bit more. And yeah. don't say that in front of Pat Shermer, by the way. He does not like that. No, he, he does doesn't not. like the, the idea of teams not game planning. He doesn't like, like the idea of this being a dress rehearsal either. So Correct. do not use those terms in front of Mr. Shermer or you will no. be scolded. By the way, so <laughs> FYI to you folks out there, if you run into Pat Shermer anywhere, uh, but um, I think I think that's an interesting dynamic. But um, I think this week will be a good test for uh, for the starters against a opponent that you know Giants Jets. You get a little bit more juice. These guys don't want to go around town after getting their butt whipped by the team across town. So uh, I, I think you'll get a little bit of better feel for the starters, and I think you'll probably see the starters most of them for about a half in this game, and then you'll see the guys go the rest of the way. Certainly the offensive line. I don't know about too many of the other starters, but I do think the offensive line is going to be in there for the full half. The only guys that I wonder about playing a full half, you know, maybe Eli, Shepard. They'll probably get – I mean, I'm assuming Odell's not going to play. Ingram. I don't know that for sure. Ingram will get out of there. Yeah, Defensively, so. OV, Landon Collins. They want to get as many looks at the other safeties as possible. I wouldn't be surprised if Janoris Jenkins gets taken out mm-hmm. relatively early in the they, game. they got a lot of questions that still have to be answered. Well, they, that's what I'm saying. So these positions like defensive back where there's a lot of questions, you want to see these other guys as much as you can, mm-hmm. right? I mean, there's no value in seeing Janoris Jenkins or Landon Collins at this point except for, no. building, except for building their stamina. And that right. is legit. You do want right. to try to build these guys guys up a little bit yeah cool day today at practice ridiculously I, cool i liked it 
Yeah, I know you did. Go to the calls. I'm a Northern European man. I'm not hanging out in Sicily with your relatives, man, where it's always a million degrees. Oh, man. It was like air conditioning outside on the practice field today. Oh, it was like today. 75 oh, with a little breeze. 69 degrees. Little breeze coming off the with swamp. With a stiff wind. It was perfect. Under gray and cloudy That's skies. Not, it, it, you're telling me it didn't hit 70 today. It might have touched it, but my <laughs> goodness. Much too cold. Oh, you're such a baby. Let's go to Dave in Cranford. He's up next. Hi, Dave. How are you guys? It's Hello. always great to talk to the two of you. What's up, pal? Um, just a couple, a couple quick things. Sure. Um, can you give me an idea? I, I've, I've done my roster projections like you guys have, um, and I'll tell you, the, the two guys that I'm really struggling with, I, I'm a little bit overweighted on defense, a little bit more heavily on defense than I am on offense by okay. two or three players. I could see that. And it, it's O'Quara and Moss. <sighs> That, that I'm struggling. Tough. That I'm struggling with in terms of of it's looking to me that at best it's coming down to a choice between the two of them. I can't find a way to keep both of them, and and I'd love to get your thoughts. And the other guy on offense that I think is flying under the radar that I think is a really good shot is John Greco. I like how he's played both at center and at guard, and and I think. He's got a real good shot. I was wondering if you could comment on both those. Uh, I think, Dave, those are some nice bubble players you just mentioned right there. (laughs) Uh, Paul and I were kind of screwing around on Sunday when we were here for practice, and we both kind of put together our locks for the roster, and we had, depending on which one of us you talked to, you either had 35 to 38 players that were locks. And to be generous, we probably could have gotten up to maybe 42 or 43, but you're still looking at you know, a dozen at least – you know, open roster spots. And depending on how many defensive linemen you keep, uh, guys like, you know, Francis or Robert Thomas, maybe those guys are bubble guys at the edge rusher position. You know you're keeping Barwin, Martin, Vernon, and Lorenzo Carter. So then your fifth and sixth guys are, like you mentioned, Moss and O'Quara. And I'm with you. I'm not sure you can keep both those guys. So, there are some interesting spots. And then the offensive line, Pat Shermer actually talked about a lot at the press conference today, which I thought was interesting, Paul. And he kind of mm-hmm. intimated, well, you know what? Maybe we are going to keep eight. And maybe we are going to have three backups active on game day and not seven. And if that's the case, is it John Jerry is the third guy or is it John Greco is the third guy? Or maybe both of them and they think Jerry can play tackle. I don't know. I think there's... Those are some great names, Dave, and I think those are some guys that they're going to have to make some tough decisions These on. are two very important preseason games. Mm-hmm. Don't kid yourself to think that they're not because they're critical. I, I agree with you, Paul, 100%. And, and I, I guess the other thing is I, I still am going on record as saying that the biggest change we're going to see in this team and that we're already seeing is simply in coaching. Um, I think you see it. I think, I think when you watch Betcher – on the sideline, and it's again, people are going to talk about his energy. People are going to talk about his scheme, and I'm going to talk. And and I'll tell you, it's not it, those two things are great. It's his relationship to the players, and and if you talk, I've had a fortune of of knowing a couple players myself, and and what they'll talk about is that everybody wants to win. Everybody says they want to, you know, everybody on both teams are paid, right? So the difference gets to be very small as to why I'm playing and why I'm playing hard. And playing for that coach and and having that relationship is critical. And I and I think the piece about it is this: they are getting more snaps and more reps, as they call them, for the whole roster. And I think what they're doing this came from Gettleman from the very beginning is not only the roster on the 53, but I think they're getting reps for the for the 10 practice squad. And I actually think that when it comes to the secondary and some other players, there might be some guys on the street that don't get picked up on another practice squad that know the Giants plays and if there's a rash of injuries in a given position that like is secondary true. You're right about they're going to pull they're going to pull those guys off and I think these extra reps are going to come in really handy so I'll leave you guys with that you're the best in the business I love listening to you thank and you, uh, thanks for taking my call yeah, thank you for calling it very kind two points to make number 1 Pat Shermer indicated to us a couple of weeks ago at a presser that he was very emphatic about wanting to get a look at as many of these guys, all 90 if he could, under game situations because he wants to get a true and fair evaluation of every player he's got in camp. What did he call him? Well, he, I think he, he joked that at the Browns they called him a player hoarder, that he kept trying to hoard as many players as possible to get his looks as many guys as possible I or mean, something like that. He wants to see these yeah, guys in a does. game, and there's nothing wrong with that. Okay, that's number one. 
Number two, I think you're being unfair when you talk about how all the players on defense want to play for Coach Betcher. I am a big Steve Spagnuolo fan. I know for a fact players had great respect for him. Players want to play for him. They enjoyed playing for him. There was a very good give and take and trust relationship between him and his players. And remember, he had two stints here with the Giants. And while it was a very up and down graph, uh, the highs were great. The lows weren't so great. I get that. But I'm not I'm not going to let you just sit here and tell me that they love playing for Betcher and that's a big difference in this defense. I'm not going to let you do that because I respect Spags way too much. And remember, it's early too, Paul. I think the player-coach relationship oftentimes gets built and solidified through adversity. And you don't really know how these things are going to work sure. until they face adversity together. My impression of, my impression of Coach Shermer from what I've seen so far, is that he's not going to change much through adversity. He's a very steady guy. And I think this is who he is, and this is who he's going to be, mm-hmm. win or loss. And by the way, fans, I'm going to warn you ahead of time, because I promise you we're going to get these calls if the Giants start, you know, 2-4 and four or something like that. We're going to get calls where, why is he mad at the press conference? It looks like he doesn't care what's going on. That's just what he is. So I'm mentally preparing you for this now. He's not going to be a guy that goes to the podium and starts killing players, pounding his fist and yelling and screaming. I don't think that's him. It's not. So don't expect that, okay? And it might frustrate you because I know New York fans like to see guys go nuts and Jeff fans always complain about Todd Bowles because he doesn't yell and scream. Who cares? It doesn't matter. Is he a good coach? That's what matters. And when necessary, he will raise his temper around the facility and to the players. Correct. And we've seen him get a little salty during practice when things don't go the uh, right also way. Also saw him get a little bit uh, fired up during the course of the game on the sideline too, John. He is not shy about getting annoyed with the officials. I mean... <laughs> it does not appear to be a problem for I'm him. not going to name names, but if you go back to the Detroit tape, there was a play when the right personnel was not getting on the field Ooh. in a proper time. Yes. And that player came off the field because he didn't know what he was doing, and then Coach Shermer gave him an earful, and he ran back out onto the field. You can go back and look at the tape and figure it out, but ask that guy if Pat Shermer can raise his voice. Christian in Trenton, New Jersey, he joins us next. Hi, Christian. Hey, John, Paulie, how are you guys doing? Hi. Doing well. Good. Uh, I'm an everyday listener. You know, I just don't have too much time to call in. I appreciate it. Birthday today, by the way. Thank you. Um, what was I going to say? I I was actually very surprised with, uh, I guess, the twos and threes in the Detroit game. They really shocked me. They, they have uh, played good defense. So, basically what I'm trying to say is the last 15 years, we really haven't had the best depth, I would say, especially in the linebacker core. I mean, the Christ think we called Chase Blackburn off in math class to come up uh, play linebacker for us and win the Super Bowl. You know, so, Trisha, but- I, I want to just add one thing, and, and I'm not trying to take anything away from the group. I'm really not. They were also playing against Jake Rudock and Matt Castle. Okay. You know, I, I understand. <laughs> I, I understand that, but Castle's been in the league while. Have but you seen Matt Castle play the last couple of years? <laughs> There's a reason the Cowboys went three and thirteen the year Tony Robo got hurt. Uh, <laughs> Matt Castle had a lot to do with it. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> look, yeah, look at it this way. Here, here's what I want you to do. If you if you're worried about the Giants linebackers, concentrate on the fact that their starting linebackers appear to be. I'd say it's fair to say the most talented starting linebacker group they've had here in a lot of years. So why don't you concentrate on that and hope nobody gets hurt? Okay. <laughs> I mean, one of the deepest, one of the deepest cores I've seen in a long Eli Manning's era, I would say anyway. So. Absolutely. But, um, my second point is uh, Will Gallman. He, I think he might take Jonathan Stewart's spot. Oh I think that was you, John Smug, that said that you said Jonathan Stewart might start. And then Saquon in the beginning of the season? I, I made the point, depending on what the situation was when the Giants get their first possession, if they're, let's say, inside the 10-yard line, would it shock me if Jonathan Stewart gets the first carry of the year? No, it wouldn't. That doesn't mean Saquon no, 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 Barkley's no, no, not going to get the majority of the carries. Week one. Yes, but who's the starter is who's on the field for the first offensive play. Does it really matter? Saquon Barkley's going to get 75% of the touches. Who cares who's on the field first? Absolutely. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I would it say doesn't matter. No, it doesn't matter. Well, I think Will Goldman's going to take a big spot up. He he's shown me a lot, and he just continues to improve. Guys, I would love to be able to show you the coach's tape of Jonathan Stewart's runs in this game. He didn't 
have a prayer. There was a linebacker in his lap as soon as he got the handoff. If Wayne Gallman was back there, guess what? He would have been tackled for a four or four or five yard loss. So let's not try to throw Jonathan Stewart into the wastebasket. I'm not telling you he's going to be some dynamic running back that's run for a billion yards, okay? But let's not judge the guy on two carries where a linebacker came unblocked into the backfield on both plays and the guy didn't have a chance. Look, I do, understand this. He, he, also, he, he, he also split his reps, well, his whole career with Angelo Williams, so that didn't really help him. His, his snaps or his playbook is going to be vastly different than Goldman's because they have different tools. Correct. Yeah, yeah, that, that is true. I mean, I would say John Stilton would be a power back. Yes. No question. Absolutely. No question. And look, let me make something well, clear. So when they Goldman signed him. He that power. He just. He's just that downhill runner that I just never seen. Let's make well, this clear. When Jonathan, when Jonathan Stewart was signed here, there is no question that a big part of the reason he was signed here was to be the big brother in the running backs room, as John explained earlier in the show. That That is part of his value. It's not just when he touches the ball on the field. There is an extension to what Jonathan Stewart brings to this team that Dave Gittleman saw in Carolina and believed to be a value. Really, I wow. mean, you can't ignore that. No, no, you can't. I've also heard, I don't know, from, you know, I guess, the little birdie, that he's in one of the best shape that he's been in his life, in his career. Yeah. So, well, let's see how true that is, too. He's, I he's here. Thanks a lot, man. we got to run, pal. By appreciate the way, the call. he is very solid. Right. Jonathan Curious. Stewart's a solid dude. Absolutely. I mean, he's, you know, they... <laughs> He's just a solid dude. Folks, don't forget, Big Blue Kickoff Live is presented by Coors Light. Download the Coors Light Rewards app to win amazing Giants prizes throughout the regular season. Let's go to Chris Alamucci, Alamuki, New Jersey. Yeah. Paul, which one? Is it Mucci uh, or yeah. Muki? I don't know. it. No, Alamucci, up by, uh, not too far from Hackettstown. Oh, Alamucci, very good. Yes. What do you got, Chris? Yeah. Hey, Paul. Hey, John. Yeah, I'll make it quick. Two points. Two points and a question. Yes. Uh, I, I Kudos to uh, Leonard Johnson. I thought he played very well. Pass defense, uh on uh, on uh, on Friday, um, so good job by him. And also, it was nice to see on third and one that the Giants ran a quarterback sneak. That's something we haven't seen in a number of years. So very hallelujah, very Chris. Oh. I, I am going to make a bold prediction, and I probably should have done it before the game, but I've seen it in practice. But I, I'm not sure if they wanted me to. Um, I believe Eli Manning will run his first quarterback sneak in Lord knows how long this year in the regular season. I believe that yeah, will happen. I, and I would have a big smile on my face when it does. I've been after it for a decade. You. And wouldn't it be funny if he did it against Tom Coughlin? Jaguars in game one on a fourth and one. It would be hysterical. <laughs> it would be absolutely hysterical. Tom yeah, just Tom was like and, allergic uh, to the I quarterback sneak. Against the clock, so, uh, That's okay. My question is, you know, Hunter Sharp, uh, Russell Shepard, Khalif Raymond, I, I don't see them, uh, obviously, maybe in the punt return game. I, I think we saw Cody Latimer run back a kickoff. Now this, uh, I think it's Gerard Presley, the uh, the, the uh, player they picked up from, uh, on uh, that was the street free agent mm -hmm. that used to be with the Vikings. Yeah. Paul and John, do you think that he was also picked up uh, for a possible return game? Because I know he did return in a preseason game a couple years ago. Uh, 106-yard uh, kickoff return. Or do you feel like they're going to be scouring that uh, waiver wire once uh, once the cuts come in for that punt return game? I mean, we haven't had anybody probably going back to Dominic Hickson, you know, for uh, in, that, in that punt return game yeah, Chris, specifically. I don't want to take anything away from Presley, but at this point, you get brought in at this point in camp with injuries. You're, you're more of a camp body to take reps at the running back spot than anything else. So I'm not going to go nuts about that. I don't think he was brought in to be a returner in mind. He's a super duper, super duper, duper, super duper long shot to be on this roster when they get past that mm -hmm. fourth preseason game. The return game's interesting. Um, I think Gallman could be a guy you see on kickoff returns. We've seen that in practice a little bit, maybe not in a game yet. I think you could see Latimer do kickoff returns. And I think in terms of punts, I still think Hunter Sharp's in the mix. I think he's behind Latimer on the depth chart, but I think Sharp gives you more in other ways in terms of special teams coverage than Khalif Raymond does, and I think that gives him a little bit of a leg up over Raymond. I think Raymond is probably a little bit more of an elusive player with the ball in his hands than Sharp is a little bit, even though he's smaller. Um, so, uh, punt's a good question. I mean, look, you can throw Sterling Shepard and Odell back there in spots if you want, but if I if you made me place a bet on somebody today who I think the punt, re punt returner is going to be, I would still probably bet Hunter Sharp. Yeah, I'm not so sure he's going to be able to make the team with his trouble, his finger, finger I don't know either. You know, butterfinger issues. Uh, I will say this. I'm going to give you a name that's totally out of left field, 
because he has mm-hmm. not even fielded a punt in practice yet. Eli Manning. And I and I have made it my business no. to try to find out why. Cornerback Mike Jones, who just got to this team a couple of days before the Lions game, do you know in college, now he went to Temple. He graduated and went to Temple for his final season of eligibility. When Mike Jones played at North Carolina Central, he had 31 career punt returns and averaged 21 yards per return. My guess is that I don't think they believe wow. he's a good enough cornerback. To that be is my guess as well because he's a very diminutive fella, Correct. and I suspect that they don't think he can play defensive snaps. But we're talking about a guy who averaged 21 yards per punt return. Well, take him out of the two touchdowns. On 31 attempts. If, that is incredible. Chris, thanks for the call, man. We got to run, pal. Yeah, thanks, guys. Thank you. If I made you pick a leader in the clubhouse for a punt returner week one against Jacksonville right now, who would you put there? I think it's a really good question. It's a tough one. I'd probably put Latimer back there. For punts, huh? Has he done punts? I, the reason I do it, ball security. I trust him. I, I, would, at, I get it. I get it. This I point, can't argue with that. I'm not dealing with yardage. I get it. I know he's not going to screw it up. What would you put then? Why not put Sterling Shepard or Beckham back there? Because of who they are. Well, just have them fair catch it. It'll who be fine. Are. I guess you could have Sterling fair catch it. He's been back there before. Whatever. Anyway, I just <laughs> I just give you that stat about Mike Jones because it intrigues me. I understand. And believe me, I'm going to track somebody down on that coaching staff and figure out if they know it, and I'm sure they know it, Maybe to give them a shot, just yeah, for the heck of it. Trap one of them in the corner so they can't get away from you, right? I'm just, yeah, right? <laughs> I'm hungry. Can we go eat? Thank you, Paul. <laughs> Thank you, John. Thanks for joining us on Big Blue Kickoff Live. A reminder, shows the rest of the week um, are at 2 o'clock as well, and next week as well, 2 to 3 p.m. due to the schedule of practice and media availability. And again, Big Blue Kickoff Live is now presented by Coors Light, our new sponsor, and uh, Giants and Jets on Friday night. Paul, you have something else to add here? MSG tonight, 6 o'clock, training camp live. There you go. Make we'll sure see you. Tune in. We'll talk. Uh, you guys review the lines a little bit and look ahead to the Jets a little bit as well. Who's on with you? Who do, who do you got tonight? Uh, Jeff Fiegels and Madeline Burke. Fiegels is in the house, huh? He is. And oh. a special interview with Otis Anderson to talk about Barkley. And you got to tune in to see that. And I believe B.J. Hill, right? Interview with B.J. Hill on the show as well. So make sure you check that out. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you tomorrow on Giants.com. Again, 2 o'clock for Big Blue Kickoff Live presented by Coors Light. We'll see you then.